0: Hello and welcome to Book Lovers Companion. My name is Edith and right next to me is my lovely co-host, The Chattering Teacup. Hello. And here with us, our new guest, writer, editor, filmmaker, photographer and storm chaser lucy Lakestone, aka chris Kreidler. hello and welcome
1: hi it's so great to see you this morning and your beautiful cocktails
0: oh yes thank you they are very green dear listeners you can't see them while you listen but they are they look a bit dangerous which they are not
2: they look yeah they look like they're glow in the dark perhaps (laughs) It's <laughs> right. poisonous, but the tastes Ooh,
0: the taste so good. Mm. <laughs> Very let me, let me tell you that. I shall shall may I call you Lucy all the way through Sure. Oh? yeah. I'm perfect. Lucy today. Yes, okay, <laughs> perfect. So you have written three series, different genres you have written under the name under the pen name of Lucy Lakestone, the Bohemia Partender's Mysteries. A right. fun culinary cozy crime stories about your main character Cayenne Revelle. Yeah. yeah, she goes by Pepper, Pepper uh, Revelle. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so far they are out risky whiskey, wrecked by Rum, Vexed by Wodka, and Chiggered by Chin. That's
1: right. Mm.
0: I like the way you say vodka.
1: We say vodka over <laughs> uh, here. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's my, probably the German pronunciation of the I like word. It. And you've also written contemporary romance under the name of Lucy Lakestone, Bohemia the Bohemia Peach series, dear listeners. Seven books are out already. Right. Uh, with the titles Bohemia Light, Bohemia Heat, Bohemia Bells, Bohemia Beach, Bohemia Blues. Bohemian Nights and Bohemia Chills. There's a theme. You you can yeah. get the theme yes, there. <laughs> exactly. It's all about Bohemia. And under Chris Kreidler, your real name. Right. Dear listeners, you will find the Stormseeker series. It's about adventure, action, even, maybe. Sure. Humor and romance. So far, yeah. three books out. Final Vision, Tornado Pinball and Zap Bang. Right. Zap Bang. Yes, they all sound intriguing. And I have to admit, or I have to, yeah, I have to admit, I've read so far, I only uh, read Risky Whiskey. And the first, or one of the lines that stuck with me was when our main, or your main character said, I'm not a faker with a shaker. (laughs) That that was great fun Uh, reading it. Pepper's the real thing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) She's great. Her nerdy glasses and her attitude. The, right. This is great. And also another thing that stayed with me was when she describes her back. Because you know mm-hmm. Doctor Who.
1: <laughs> right. It's like the TARDIS. It's yes. better on the inside than it is on the outside. <laughs> That's true. Oh yeah, I'm a geek through and through.
0: Ooh, perfect. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, who doesn't like Doctor Who?
1: Well, right. If they don't like him, I don't want to know
0: him. I didn't in the beginning. I get used to him. Now I'm a fan (laughs) of Doctor Who. So, my dear D-Cup, let's start. Shall we start with the bartender's mysteries?
2: Yep. Why not? First one is, is it um, a must to have rhyming titles or word games in titles for Crows and Mysteries? I mean, I like the games, but is it necessary, or is it just... Oh, I just think it's fun, Imagine. and this oh. series is all about fun. I wanted to convey fun.
1: So, Risky Whiskey is just a natural rhyme, and it's really fun to me, and it's <laughs> ear-catching. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it has a bright pink cover, which seems to attract people, too. Oh. So, I've I'd, I'd I just had fun with puns, really. Wrecked by rum, I mean, you can be wrecked in terms of drinking too much, but there's also <laughs> a shipwreck that that is mm-hmm. mentioned in, in this book, which that little thread also continues into Vexed by Vodka. Bartenders who are serious mixologists look down on vodka a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, they, It's a colorless, odorless, flavorless liquor, and they're like, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> you know? <laughs> But they also have a joke that vodka pays the bills because Mm -hmm. so many people like vodka. Mm. And then Jiggered by Gin um, is set in London Mm -hmm. because the bartenders move from location to location. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's the British saying, I'll be jiggered. (laughs) And, of course, a jigger is something you use to measure Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. uh, your alcohol. So, anyway, I'm just having a lot of fun with the titles. That's
0: what she used for our very green cocktails. Oh, there you go.
2: Yep. Perfect. And and another thing (laughs) I wanted is I guess that bartender and barkeeper is the same, just a different word. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it is. And for the uninitiated, a mixologist and the difference to a barkeeper. Sure so mixologist is maybe a bit of a snooty term for um,
1: <laughs> a bartender who you know has ideas above his station no really mixologists <laughs> are awesome I love mixologists. Um, my husband's kind of a you know amateur mixologist although he he ran a craft cocktail business for oh. a little while in addition to his real job mm-hmm. We all have you know side gigs right and yes. <laughs> anyway uh, mixologists and craft cocktails have mm-hmm. really matured in the past mm-hmm. several years. It is a real culinary art Mm -hmm. and that's one thing I wanted to convey because there are stories out there and and mysteries out there starring bartenders, but uh, most of them are not craft cocktail Mm -hmm. mixologists. Mm -hmm. So these folks think about everything. They, the perfect ingredients the perfect balance of ingredients uh usually the drinks aren't you know hot pink sugar bombs they're mm-hmm. they're really sophisticated and layered and mm-hmm. um, they go with food and mm-hmm. you know it's it's a whole art and it's mm-hmm. really really
2: i think uh, exploding mm-hmm. at least here and mm-hmm. i think all over mm-hmm. the world and in in the books you describe it as it's um, always a work in progress because mm-hmm. you can always um add something or change it to make it better absolutely and um. I, I think
1: consistency in in a drink is is really challenging because ingredients change all the time. Even your lemons from day to day might be different, or your limes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you might make your your orgeat or your orge depending on how you pronounce it, which is like an an almond syrup, but the way you make it might be different from a store bought version. I mean. Uh, cocktails are are always changing and always different and yes you can always alter that one thing you can have your maraschino cherry or your homemade brandy cherry and that will change the character of the mm-hmm. drink mm-hmm. and mixologists think about all of that and ice they're mm. also obsessed with ice whether it's crushed ice mm-hmm. or a little popcorn ice or hand carved ice, big cubes, little cubes—it all matters.
0: Would you say the attitude towards cocktails is different in the United States than, let's say, towards cakes? Because toward, I, toward I cakes, yeah. <laughs> because I get the impression it's all about how they look. Cakes, right? I mean, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, and you see that on reality TV a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe skews our perception, but it's true. Um, people judge a cake by its cover, mm-hmm. <laughs> as it were. And they and I think they judge cocktails that way to a point. I oh. mean, that's why garnishes are important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Granted, I mean, I, I love a simple old-fashioned, which is just like a whiskey drink in a glass, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be Maybe it has a little lemon twist on it. Mm-hmm. But a beautiful garnish really adds a lot to a cocktail. So it kind of depends on, I don't know, uh, who you're talking to or who's <laughs> making it. Because some some bartenders are all about flash and throwing their shakers up in the air. Mm-hmm. And others are all about getting that perfect balance of ingredients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is it like cakes? It just depends,
2: I think, on on who you're talking
0: to. Oh, oh, yeah.
2: I think with um, the looks. I mean, we, we say that you eat with your eye. Oh. Because if it if it doesn't look oh, good, you yeah. don't want to try it. But mm-hmm. if it looks enticing, you definitely want to try it, and it has to be good anyway. But if it looks, oh enticing, yeah, it's it's it just makes it better in some way. Yeah, but right. what about? I follow.
0: Yeah, but what about I was Sachertorte? Say what, I mean, on it doesn't Instagram. look. Yeah, it, it's not it's not flashy. It's not it doesn't look. It's a classic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a classic chocolate <laughs> chocolate cake is always. And, but there are, well, sure. Yeah.
2: recipes, so there are always a difference.
0: that's true. And my question would also be, since the bartender's novels are mysteries, where, how, when did you find the mystery behind the novels? What gave well, you the ideas for the mysteries behind those novels?
1: Okay, so for one thing, Risky Whiskey is inspired by a real cocktail convention that's held in New Orleans called Tales of the Cocktail, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. It's focused more on industry people, mm-hmm. um, but it, it sort of attracts all, all kinds of industry people mm-hmm. from the people who are raconteurs who write stories about uh, the history of cocktails to bartenders and distributors of liquor and so on and so forth. And anyone who is in that business will tell you that stories are a huge part mm-hmm. of the liquor business, mm-hmm. sometimes to the point where you're pretty sure they made up the story that goes with the <laughs> liquor, you know, about the the hand picked herbs on the mountainside in, in, in Austria or whatever. Anyway, the stories are fascinating. Mm -hmm. And once you dig even a a little bit into the history of almost any uh, liquor, there's always a strong personality there. There's a history that goes back many years. In Wrecked by Rum, I really get into history of rum collecting and, for instance, the London Docks fire of 1933 that Mm -hmm. destroyed Mm -hmm. all of this rum. Mm -hmm. That's It's sort of a big event in rum history, but you know, somebody who's drinking a Mai time may not know about it, mm-hmm. but it's really fascinating fodder mm-hmm. for a mystery.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your characters, they are very colorful characters, each and every yeah. one of them, but they are also very likable. Yeah. How, how did you find them? Did they just pop in your head or are they uh, modeled on real people or…
1: There's always a little bit of real inspiration in my characters, but not not a lot. <laughs> so Neil, who is the sort of mm-hmm. more steadfast, serious mm-hmm. uh, colleague of Peppers, he's a serious mixologist. He mm-hmm. owns a bar. He appeared as a minor character in the romance series, mm-hmm. and I thought he would be an excellent foil for someone like Pepper. Now, granted, there's a little, there's a lot of me and Pepper, but Pepper is like much more fun than I am, <laughs> and spontaneous and outgoing. I doubt And all that. those things. No, really, she's <laughs> she's what I want to be sometimes. Even <laughs> though she's kind of reckless and sillies too sometimes. But uh, but yeah, Pepper allows me to you know get out a lot of my snark yeah. <laughs> when I need to.
2: Mm-hmm. And hey, but, oh, sorry, <laughs> uh, what I have to say is with the it's set in uh, New Orleans and the way you describe it. You oh. make us want to go there and visit. Oh, it's a great place. I mean, that city is so colorful.
1: There's a reason so many mysteries and other books are set in New Orleans. It's oh. beautiful. It's kind of seedy sometimes, uh, rich in history. And, of course, the cocktail culture there and the oh. culinary culture is just oh. fantastic.
0: Oh. Yeah. And also, the need for the for our bartenders to fit their cocktails to... The food, I mean, it's also an art. Like you said, uh, mixing cocktails is an art form, but also finding the right way uh, to Mm. put together a cocktail to go with the course you have for dinner.
2: I wonder, is this something new? Because in in the past, I think, wine was chosen to go with the different courses Mm. of a meal. But nowadays you hear about cocktails or teas doing the same. Is this a new development or...? I think there's certainly a new
1: respect for it. And I think craft cocktails, which, you know, there were great craft cocktails in the early 20th century and um, pre-prohibition and then Mm -hmm. prohibition happened. And Mm. even post-prohibition, I mean, there was a real cocktail culture. Mm -hmm. And then in the opinion of a lot of people in that community, it, it sort of hit a low ebb in like the 70s when you had a lot more sugar bombs and and that sort of love of the craft cocktail kind of faded in favor of, I don't know, drinks that maybe just made you drunk mm-hmm. or were were really, mm-hmm. really sugary and not that good. I think since then, there is a much, much more awareness of cocktails as a culinary art. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that trend is on the rise. And you really see it at an event like Tales of the Cocktail, where they would have spirited dinners, where they would pair a cocktail with each course. Now, that is a good way to get drunk because <laughs> that's a lot more alcohol than you normally get in say a glass yeah. of wine. Yeah, yeah. But it's fascinating to see how well a drink can complement your food.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. Um, what do you think about ready-made cocktails you can buy in bottles? Right. That's not um, the
1: reality, is it? Isn't it? I would say they. I'm sure they vary in quality. Like, it's not my first choice. But mm. I suppose if I really, really wanted a cocktail, maybe I
0: would try one. Mm. But I would not be reaching for that, typically. And your other series that takes place in Bohemia, that your Bohemia Beach series. It's a contemporary right. romance series. What inspired this series? I mean, it's different from writing mysteries. Very different. Yeah. Why Why did you decide to write this kind of stories as well
1: well i wrote the storm seeker series first which mm. is the storm chasing mm-hmm. adventures mm-hmm. um inspired by my own storm chasing mm-hmm. but there are uh, there are little romance threads in those mm-hmm. books and uh i don't know i had fellow writers who were like you know you should maybe play with romance, write some Mm -hmm. romance. And I read some romance and I'm like, yeah, I want to give this a try. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And of course, seven books later or eight books later. So yeah, the Bohemia Beach series is very different. I I want to tell uh, especially mystery readers of this because it's full of steamy romance. Mm -hmm. It's very hot. Mm -hmm. So if that's not your thing, this is not the series for you. (laughs) I also love the idea. It's not just about the hot scenes, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's about that connection between people that Mm -hmm. I love to explore and Mm -hmm. sort of the psychology Mm -hmm. of different people that brings them together and sort of makes them find their person. Mm -hmm. I think that's really fascinating.
0: A bit like seeking, just romance, not storms, (laughs) I I would say.
1: All books, well, not all books, but a lot of books have romance in them. Mm -hmm. And guess what? our lives have romance in them. I mean, mm-hmm. romance is a big part of the human experience. Yes, it and is. whether you call it romance or love or relationship, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came to romance really late in life, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. I really didn't think much about it. I did, mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, well, that's probably not a genre I'm interested in. <laughs> but when I started reading it, I realized it has a couple things going for it. One, mm-hmm. a lot of it's really feminist. Mm-hmm. And and two, um, it's really about women finding happiness. Mm-hmm. And as a literature form, that is sort of disrespected, you know, mm-hmm. that whole idea of it's women's fiction. It's mm-hmm. women's mm-hmm. literature. It's it's for women. So it's not like good enough. Mm-hmm. And guess what? There's a lot of great writing mm-hmm. going on in romance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in every genre, there's always a percentage that's, yep. you know, yep. more popcorn than yep. anything. But, yep. but that's okay.
2: We yep. like popcorn. Yep. Um, whereas the Bartender series is centered around the same group of people in every book, just moving right. from one place to the other. The um, Bohemia Beach series is centered on Bohemia Beach, but uh, different people are uh, the center of the, the each book. So it's always right. a different couple.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a common romance conceit where in a series you focus on a different couple in each book. And in this case, they're all kind of interconnected. They're all artists in one way or another. You know, there's a there's a costume designer. There's a, a couple potters. There's a video artist. There's a paper artist. And I like the idea of this artist community, which is mm-hmm. where the name Bohemia kind of came from, like the whole the Bohemians thing. <laughs> you can go back to Love uh, uh, Love Bohem or you can, you can look at Rent, which is really about the Bohemians. Yeah. You know that yeah. musical. Um, I just like that idea of a community of mm-hmm. artists.
2: But in this way. Even if they're not the main characters of the, of the book, in the next books you we might encounter them and see what happened to them after they got together. Just right. tidbits of it.
1: You feel like you're part of the circle of friends because mm. you're catching up with them, mm-hmm. and um, it almost becomes like a family. Mm. Uh, as a writer, to me, it felt like one, and and I think readers get that experience mm-hmm. too.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Idea. It doesn't stop. Yeah, because you, they got together and it stops, and you'll never you'll never hear right. hear of them again.
1: Right. And that's kind of what's interesting about romances. Mm-hmm. you usually end up with that happy mm-hmm. ever after mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or happy mm-hmm. for now, but uh, yeah, life does go on and relationships mature and, and sometimes they, you know, mm-hmm. get more interesting. Yeah. So like the couple who gets together in the first book, and by the way, it's no secret that the couple's going to get together in a romance. <laughs> so it's like no spoilers, but <laughs> Hey, they get together. Yeah. You know, they get together in the first book and by the sixth book, They're getting married. Mm. So there's a wedding Mm -hmm. and the Christmas, you know, the Mm. Christmas wedding Mm -hmm. novella, which is another (laughs) great romance thing to do.
2: That's similarity it has with some crime books, because Mm. if you read a romance, you meet the main characters and, you know, they're going to end up together in the end. And with the crime book, you know, okay, the person's dead and, you know, they're going to find out in the end how it was done. But you like uh, to read and find out the way they discover how it done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's very
1: satisfying. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I I love TV crime stuff, like especially the older stuff. I Mm -hmm. used to be addicted to, Dragnet reruns, which, that's that bum, but um, bump Joe Friday, you know, very straight laced, (laughs) and they're like comical now, really to watch. But he always got his man or woman, and uh, and Law and Order, and you know, all these Mm -hmm. shows. It's like Mm -hmm. very satisfying to see it resolved Mm -hmm. at the
0: end. Mm. Yeah, let's move on to your Storm Seeker series because. I would say it's an interesting series from our European point of view because, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I would never chase a storm. <laughs> we don't have that kind of storms here in, in Europe, lucky. like tornadoes. Yeah. Yeah, a, l- little a, a little bit. A little bit, bit yeah. but not like you do in the United mm-hmm. States. And, I mean, I would say that's something totally different for us. I mean, we, we see storm chasers or people um like that in 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 films or um uh, we hear about the storms on on the news but right. that's something totally different and alien to us here and i suppose also that the titles of the books in your storm seeker series come from ways storms behave or what what's happening in in a storm in a tornado
1: right i i wanted to Okay. So I should just say that the way I write about storms and storm chasers, again, snark, I have a little bit of snark and everything. (laughs) So there's a little running commentary on the culture because I have been involved in this culture since 1997 Mm -hmm. um, when I actually took a storm chasing tour. Back then there were just two of them. Now there are several storm chasing tours. Anyway, that got me hooked and I started Mm -hmm. going on my own and with Mm -hmm. friends and, and so on. So it's this, this great big culture of storm chasers in the United States. And a lot of people travel here from Europe and mm-hmm. from Australia mm-hmm. and other places just to chase storms every year. And they become pretty obsessed with it. So as far as the titles are concerned, Funnel vision is kind of about that obsession. Mm -hmm. Um, Tunnel vision is a phrase you hear where people have a very focused view, like they just see one thing. So funnel vision is a play on that. Mm -hmm. It was actually a headline on an article I wrote about storm chasing back when I, because I used to come, I came from newspapers. I Uh used to work in Uh newspapers. Uh, When I worked at the Baltimore Sun, they ran an article and the title was funnel vision. So I borrowed it as the uh, headline or the, Mm -hmm. the title for my first book. And then tornado pinball is a reference to a device that is in the second book. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a fictional device, but it is the idea of a human tornado probe. It's something they Mm -hmm. call the bubble. Mm -hmm. And this TV crew is trying to get this bubble device into a tornado with a person inside it. Mm -hmm. So tornado pinball is kind of the idea of being Mm -hmm. bounced from place to place Mm -hmm. and also Mm -hmm. this device. Mm -hmm. And then zap bang is just it it sounds like a comic book kind of thing, but it's about lightning. Mm -hmm. So it's really about that. Sudden shock to the system, mm-hmm. not just from lightning, but also personally, because Jack, who was kind of an anti-hero in the first book, mm-hmm. let's face it, he's a jerk in the first <laughs> book. He's somewhat redeemed by the end, and then he matures throughout the series, and mm-hmm. um, he kind of finds finds his person in in the third book, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a real shock to his system because he hasn't been a good guy,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he changes. Yes. In the course of the books right and how much of of you is in those books i mean of your experiences i definitely am inspired by some of my
1: experiences storm chasing mm-hmm. and also things you see in media and so mm-hmm. on because there's just so much of that but i have been with tv crews and mm-hmm. seen how they operate and some of them are really great but there's also a certain amount of falsity in a in a way to mm-hmm. the way documentaries are filmed. I mean, it's not just all this is what happened. A lot of it is staged or like they want to get a drive-by view, driving by a barn, so they mm-hmm. film it like 10 times to get mm-hmm. the perfect shot. You know that's not real mm-hmm. reality, yep. and that's a lot of what we experience on TV now. A lot of it isn't real, mm-hmm. but they call it reality TV. So there's a little element
2: of that, a little critique of that, and making fun of that in the books mm-hmm. too. And I mean, in the last two or three months, I've had to fight what we call a storm <laughs> <laughs> to get the work back because it was very windy. I mean, it's it's a minor wind compared to these storms, sure. but. I get, got annoyed enough. What does one make to follow these storms? To want to get into that because it's dangerous. It Why, can be what? dangerous, and and I'm 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 really I play it safe. I think I play
1: it safe anyway. <laughs> I guess chasing tornadoes isn't that safe as a rule, but you can do it safely. Why do people want to face that? Some people that I've talked to were shaped by childhood experiences. I Mm -hmm. mean, where they actually had a tornado come through their town or whatever. I mean, I grew up in Pennsylvania, which is a state in the Northeast United States. Mm -hmm. Not many tornadoes there, but we had a couple come through our area. I remember running to the basement and being really excited as a kid and seeing the Wizard of Oz way too many times. Yeah. And I was so fascinated by that. And so hearing about being able to chase storms, I used to think only scientists could do it till mm-hmm. I found that found that, that tour existed. So why do people do it? I think once you experience it, if you have a natural inclination already to like weather and like storms. It is such an an exhilarating experience. And it's not about the adrenaline for me. It's not about, Mm -hmm. you know, almost losing my life. I've Mm -hmm. been there a couple of times. I don't want to do that. But for me, it's about the visuals. It is just totally transporting to get out in the wide open plains and see a supercell, this giant rotating storm, especially if it has a lot of structure. It looks like a layer cake spinning in the sky. Mm -hmm. That is totally a transporting experience. And it's Mm -hmm. a visual feast. And plus, I love the freedom of being able to just follow the weather. Like mm-hmm. you don't just stay in one place when you mm-hmm. go storm chasing. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you could be anywhere from Texas to the Dakotas. You could I've put like 14,000 miles on my car in just a few weeks, just mm. driving around chasing storms. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. You really see
0: the countryside and you really experience nature. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's especially appealing for us nowadays since we are not anymore that's connected to nature. Oh, I I
1: think that's part of it. I mean... uh It's a humbling experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you think your problems are really big, and then you get out there and see this giant, powerful force of nature, and you're kind of reminded how small you are in the universe. It's sort of that same experience of looking at a starry sky at night. I I think that's certainly part of it, because we get divorced from that sort of primal experience Mm -hmm. in our day-to-day lives. Mm -hmm. Especially if you live
2: in a city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And a way to realize again that the force of nature is something to be reckoned with? Oh,
1: totally. I mean, I I think a lot of us just forget that. I live in Florida. It's hurricane central here, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and yet I look around and people are building condos on the beach and there are mm-hmm. people moving here all the time. And I mean, there are times when I would like to kind of move out of the hurricane zone because it's really stressful <laughs> when, a, when a big storm is coming your way and you have to prepare for that. But yeah, people... Forget. And, and it's the way we live our lives. You can't mm. think of every minute that your life is mm. going to be destroyed, even though the past few years have kind of made us all sort of hyper aware of mm. terrible
2: things that can mm. happen.
1: But yeah, it, it, I, I really think it puts things in, into perspective mm-hmm. yeah. to experience these storms in person. Yeah.
2: But, but I guess it's different if you have grown up in an area where it's you grow up with these weather conditions, or mm. if you move there on your own free will, like as an elderly say. So I guess. You think different about it.
1: I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I think people just are willing to roll the dice like for Florida to live in paradise because it's really beautiful here a lot of the year. I mean, it's beautiful here all year round, but it's it's sweltering hot in the summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people are willing to take that chance. Just to have find happiness for, for the rest of the time. And you just cross your fingers and buy insurance and hope yeah. it doesn't get you. Yeah.
2: Try to secure your house to make it yes. um, hurricane. Oh, so definitely. Definitely.
0: I sometimes also wonder, since you mentioned, I mean, Florida is known for the hurricanes and so on. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, we don't have those kinds of storms here in Europe. But what we do have, for example, in Austria, are avalanches, especially in the Western oh, part. yeah of of Austria we also have floods mm-hmm. and every time that happens again and again right people get a little bit surprised <laughs> i mean really you people get surprised. Are surprised i mean yes. come on you live in a place where it's happens it happens all the time years. it happens every year it happens every let's say <laughs> right. 2 or 3 years why are you mm-hmm. surprised
1: I know. I, I'd love to wave a wand and just sort of wish more awareness on everyone about everything. Yeah. But yeah, when weather is concerned, you you always see this after a tornado mm-hmm. hits a town and people are like, there was no warning. But in <laughs> fact, often earlier in the day, there were forecasts saying severe weather is coming. And then the Storm Prediction Center I- issued a tornado watch mm-hmm. like three hours before anything happened. And there's weather radio and you know, that and, and alerts on your phone. Mm-hmm. And if you're paying any attention at all, there was warning. There yeah. was a lot of warning. So, yeah, I mean, I would love it if, if everyone just plugged in a little more into mm-hmm. what's going on around them. Yeah. And it would, it would save lives, really. Yeah. Yeah,
2: but maybe it has to do with the idea that we are able to control everything and to able to mm-hmm. manage nature, which we I th- don't. But I think a lot of people oh. th- think like that.
1: I think you're right. I think you're right that somehow as, as humans, we should have control or... Or the government should know what's going to happen next or whatever. But yeah, the, the truth is, it's like in Jurassic Park, you know, Park, you know that line, like, <laughs> that's the illusion. There is yeah. no control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have yeah. no control over nature.
0: Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's the reason why people want to chase storms.
1: Oh, to, to I'm be sure that's part of it.
0: To be confronted but, with the uncontrollable.
1: Right. And there's that element of chance and you really have to think on your feet sometimes. That's part of what makes it fun. and. And in a way, it's like solving a mystery. You you do a forecast at the beginning of the day and you you want to be the one who made the right forecast and got on the best (laughs) storm of the day. And especially these days, when I when I started out, we didn't have radar easily mm. accessible. Yep. Like mm-hmm. you know, when you did a forecast and you found a tornado, I mean, you you were really on it. You were doing a great job. Mm-hmm. These days, a lot more people are doing it. We can get radar on our phone, so we can see immediately if there's a better storm, mm-hmm. you know, thirty miles away, and just mm-hmm. drive there. But it's still incredibly satisfying if you happen to be the right person in the right place at the right mm. time and get. Get that amazing
2: picture. Oh, okay. So it has gotten easier with the emergence of new tech. And oh, yeah. Did that result in more people doing it?
1: It certainly made it
2: easier. And I
1: I think there's been the rise of what I call the amateur chaser, mm. who they're watching. First of all, they're like watching television mm. and they, they see. I mean, these days, meteorologists on TV give a forecast where they're like at Fifth Street and Sixth Avenue. There's going to be a tornado in four four and a half minutes. I mean, they're they're that good when it's when the event <laughs> yeah, is actually yeah. in progress, and and there are more people. I think who like you know just turn and say, "Hey, Earl, let's go jump in the car, go see the tornado." Like I I really think there's more of that. So technology enables people to get to the storm, but it's it's experience that helps keep you safe and out of trouble. And really, really find what you need to find. I mean, the joke in the storm chasing community is even though everyone's shooting video and some people are trying to be TV stars or whatever, (laughs) that the the people who get the best video, it's always like the farmer on his back
2: porch, Mm. you know, when
1: it's plowing through his wheat field, that's the guy who gets the best video.
2: But that's the guy who has the most experience and looking (laughs) at this guy, he can judge the weather.
1: Usually. Oh yeah, I think uh, certainly if you live out there, and especially if you're in agriculture, you have a much better yeah.
0: sense
2: yeah.
1: of of what nature's up to. Mm.
0: Yeah, mm. much the same here. I would say yeah. people who live around the lakes or in the Austria mm-hmm, or the mountains they know exactly that the weather is going to change. There's the tourists, right. the tourists usually don't. I mean, it's sunshine in the morning, it's beautiful uh-huh. day, and the locals will tell you, no, don't don't go go into the mountains because it's going to change and it, it changes change very, rapidly
1: yeah amazing yeah. yeah
0: very fast it happens very fast also on the lakes i mean there is a beautiful weather and the next moment there is a mm-hmm. storm
2: right right yeah and if you're from the city you, you don't, don't know, know how that. Of, <laughs> yeah you, how don't, you, don't know you don't know that what's gonna yeah.
0: happen lucy since you are a writer or have been a writer also with the media uh, you've now written three series and you're still writing those series what would you say has been the most challenging one of the three? Oh, good question
1: um well right now the biggest challenge and the biggest pleasure for me is writing the bartenders i'm really uh-huh. into the Bo- bohemia bartenders mysteries right now and part of that is because of the, all the research that i do i mean i love cozy mysteries uh <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> the research the drinking cocktails. <laughs> it's not just the drinking cocktails, but I do put a lot of historical mm-hmm. stuff in, in there. And of course I want to get all the details right. And that's mm-hmm. probably my journalism background. Mm-hmm. And, and I know writers can get totally lost in research. And that makes me not as fast of a writer, probably <laughs> as other writers. But yeah, I, I want to add that extra sort of layer mm-hmm. of, of detail and information. Mm-hmm. So so that is a challenge for me, but it's a challenge I really love. Mm-hmm. And have you been to London for the Chigat Chin? I have. I mean, it's been a while now. It's mm. been, yeah, a little while since I've been to London, but maybe what, three or four years? It was before the pandemic, mm. obviously. And and then I went, I was there a couple decades before that. So I felt like I traveled in time when I went back to <laughs> London, like Doctor <laughs> Who, because all of a sudden there are all these sci-fi skyscrapers and all this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, wow. But yeah, I, I totally love London. And um, so I used obviously some of my experiences. And I did a lot of research on Charles Dickens because mm-hmm. there's a whole Dickens element mm-hmm. in, in there, and mm-hmm. Dickens was quite the drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, a lot of writers were, among, were drinkers. A- among other things. Among that's other things, that's correct. <laughs> and uh, you'll, <laughs> as someone wrote in one of the reviews of Jigger by Jim, I found out a little too much about Charles Dickens's personal life, <laughs> 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 which you'll understand if you read the book. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love going to the places uh, where I that I write about. And that's one of the frustrations with the pandemic is mm-hmm. we haven't traveled nearly mm-hmm. as much as I want. Mm-hmm. So we went yeah. to Kentucky last summer to the Bourbon Trail mm-hmm. and the
0: next book is gonna be set there. Ah. And you said yeah. you're you're at the moment you're into your mysteries. And what do you find the hardest part of writing a mystery despite the the research of the historical background what is the hardest part for you
1: right it's it's making obviously everything come together all the mm-hmm. clues and everything hiding the mm-hmm. the the bad guy whoever mm-hmm. that is and at the same time playing planning enough clues so it makes sense mm-hmm. and putting in all your mm-hmm. red herrings to me it's like a a game of Jenga or something mm-hmm. where everything has to kind of fit together and come mm-hmm. together perfectly mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know I've heard writers on your show talking about plotting versus pantsing <laughs> and, and all that. And I like to pretend I'm a plotter, but I'm, I'm kind of a <laughs> planster. Like, I, I pretty much know how it's going to go, but there are always surprises in the middle, even for me. And I, I have mad respect for mystery writers who start out not knowing who the killer is. I have no idea how they do that. I have to know who
0: it is. Mm. Yeah, neither do I, to I be think, honest.
2: <laughs> I think the most people are not exactly planners or pants. They're mm. somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah. 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 And
1: I, that's I part think. of the joy of writing, really, mm. of the spontaneity of it. And and I think your subconscious is always at work. So sometimes things happen and I'm really delighted at like what comes out. I'm like, oh, wow, that was really cool. But that was my subconscious, you know, writing in
0: the background. And does Pepper look over your shoulder while you're writing? I I try to channel Pepper as much as
2: possible.
1: (laughs) Um, In fact, sometimes like one of my pleasures in writing these books is uh, dressing my characters, like finding the right you know, clothes, dresses, mm-hmm. whatever. And I actually look online and I pin mm-hmm. them to my Pinterest and mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, occasionally I'll even like buy one of the outfits <laughs> that my
2: characters are aware just, just to kind of, mm. you know, yeah be part Get of the it. Feed. Be Pepper, <laughs> Channel Pepper. Yeah. Channel yeah. Pepper. yeah. But she's a fun character because she's mm-hmm. on one hand, she's chaotic, mm. uh, but she, on the other hand, she knows what she's doing.
1: Right. Right. And she, She's always the first to jump in, you know. Neil's like, no, we have to be cautious. You have to wait. And she's like, no, we got to go now. We got to go now. So I I like that about her.
2: But he's keeping his cool there and she's getting in the direction of panicking, maybe. So (laughs) they balance each other.
0: Well, yes, it it, it works well for them, doesn't it? I mean, right, right. And you are one of the group of independent authors in your, yes. in your neck of the woods. So my, my question would also be for you as well as it was for the others. Was it a conscious decision on your part to be an indie author or did it just, let's say, happen to you? Or I would say it was Did it just turn out conscious. that way in the end? Okay, conscious. Uh, it uh-huh. was a
1: very conscious decision. You know, I'm, again, mad props to the people who are like, I'm going to write a book. And then a month later, they're a bestseller. Like, that's <laughs> definitely, I'm still working on that, you know? <laughs>
2: uh,
1: but- I wanted to be a writer forever and ever. And and I went through the thing where I tried to get an agent and that that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And and then I I just got sort of tired of submitting and kind of sat on my books for a while. This was back with the storm series. Mm-hmm. And um after that, I in newspapers, one of the jobs I had was uh for a little while I was like an interim book review editor at the mm-hmm. Baltimore Sun, mm-hmm. uh while you know, the new guy was kind of coming on board. And I really got to see the other side, you know, uh, as far as saying, yes, we'll review that. No, we won't review that. I got to see a lot of books come in and very few indie books. And when Mm -hmm. they did come in, they usually were like amateur vanity press kind of things. But then as time went on, that really changed. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Independent publishing now is a real professional venture. If you're not mm-hmm. doing it professionally, you're not going to do well. And and just, just seeing how em- empowered people are, I've always been kind of a DIY person anyway, mm-hmm. really made me decide this was something I wanted to
0: do. You said you have to do it professionally. Can you yeah. a little bit elaborate what it entails doing independent or writing independently and being independent? What does it entail for an author to go... This route.
1: Yeah. Well, you you have to consider everything that, you know, your big publishers up in New York consider. You have to consider your editing. Mm -hmm. You have to have a professional editor. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to have a professional cover design. Mm -hmm. And I mean, actually, I do my own covers, but Mm -hmm. I'm probably unusual in that respect. Mm -hmm. And I don't recommend that for anyone by any means. (laughs) Just, you know, you, you have to think about marketing and selling and and that's something i'm still working on that's a very difficult thing to do especially if you're somebody who just likes telling the stories you know you don't want to crunch numbers mm-hmm. and yeah. and sell books but that's all part of it too you have to have a plan mm-hmm. and think ahead about all that you have to realize that you're going to make the big investment up front but mm-hmm. at the same time you'll probably make bigger cuts than mm-hmm. your traditionally published mm-hmm. author is going to make. Mm-hmm. And you have a l- so much more control. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it would be great to be one of those exceptional, traditionally published authors who are always at the top of the charts and, you know, they get the red carpet rolled out for them. I mean, there's still a little part of me that's like, likes that idea, you know? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> don't we all, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> but, um, at the same time, I've heard a lot of traditionally published authors who are not happy mm-hmm. with their experience publishing. Traditionally, mm-hmm. they've gone indie, they can't get their rights back for their old titles that are just sitting mm-hmm. there, that kind of thing. So you just have to look at all the aspects if you're a writer and decide- mm-hmm what's going to work best for you.
2: As you mentioned, you have to make the investment upfront. I mean, it's true. But if you think about uh, running any business, you have to invest quite a lot. And as an auto think it's a bit less than right. if you, if you, for example, you open a shop, you have huge investments without like, getting anything back. So if you it's see the it business, it's the same.
1: It's true. I mean, you can get a book business off the ground for for not that much money up front. Mm -hmm. Although editing can run from a few hundred to a thousand or two, depending on exactly what you're doing. Covers, I mean, prices range for all these things. But yes, it's not like opening a shop, but Mm -hmm. there is an investment. Mm -hmm. And I get a little little frustrated when I see an indie author online saying they can't afford, you know, a $50 Mm -hmm. pre-made cover or something. It's like, you have to make that minimal investment if you want to be successful. Maybe you
2: to say to yourself it's kind of a business maybe then mm. it makes the it totally more, yeah it's a business um, right mm, if, if you're choosing to be indie yeah. unless you're just
1: publishing a memoir for your family to read or something it's like that yeah. if, if it's a business yeah so you have to understand that that is what you're mm. going into
0: and since you are an editor yourself What would you say in your estimation or in your experience now is the most important thing to look for in an editor if you're an indie author?
1: Well, first I would say editing is a relationship. So it's not a bad idea to actually talk to the editor. Definitely get a free editing sample. Pretty much all editors will provide that. And, you know, you just want someone who's thorough who's going to be timely for you, you know, obviously deliver your projects on time and you have to, that's a two way street. Like, Mm -hmm. don't say, Hey, I'm going to have my book for you on April 1st. And it, you know, it's March 31st and you're like, Oh, I'm not going to have that book for you. Don't do that to your editor. (laughs) (laughs) Not that that's happened to me or anything, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's, it's relationship. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you work together, you get to know each other, you develop style guidelines for your book,
0: all those things. And talking about the indie community. Uh, would you say that there are, would you say that there are more female indie authors or more male or is it 50-50? Mm. Boy, that's a really good question.
1: I mean, I think in the circles I run in, which is like romance and mystery, it seems to be a lot more women, <laughs> mm. but I can't really answer that because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. statistics
0: mm-hmm. on that. But if yeah. you have to estimate, what would you guess? <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to somebody here who likes facts. I
1: don't I don't <laughs> guess. <but laughs> yeah. Okay. I would say there are more women than men. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because, you know, women are are more readers. Mm. There are more female readers than there are male readers, especially of fiction, at least. Mm. So I, I think, you know, mm. I, I would love everybody to read my books. Well, particularly the mysteries. The, mm-hmm. the men probably don't care that much about the romances, although they should. But... <laughs>
2: maybe they learn you know them. something I, yes, about I, the women like yeah to better understand them yeah, learn right thing i them. know
1: right they might get a few tips <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> yeah but yeah i think a lot of us are writing for women like mm. women are writing for women sometimes mm. would,
0: would you say that that male authors have it a little bit easier in the traditional publishing scene than female authors
1: in traditional publishing i think that's definitely been true mm. for a long time. Mm. I mean, and part of it is just that, like I said before, the respect mm. that's given to male authors versus mm-hmm. female authors. If a male author writes, mm-hmm. A coming-of-age romance. It's not called a romance. It's literary fiction, or something. Like that. <laughs> but you know, if if a woman author writes it, it's like YA romance. It's uh, just um, I'm I'm probably generalizing a little too much, mm-hmm. and I know things are evolving all the time. But I think there's still mm-hmm. there's still an aspect of that. But
2: mm. I think it's also in because if you take a look at bookstores, there's mm-hmm. usually a shelf if. Books for women or oh. um, the films, films for women. Oh. But I've never seen books for men or films for men. Well, right, I know. <laughs> That's annoying, right? I don't know yes. why.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's hell like annoying. Every, is everything hell else to is be for honest. men, and
2: just this little bit is especially for women. It's, the chick lit, the chick lit is yeah. for women,
0: and the chick flicks are also for women. Everything else is for men.
2: It's a bit right, and, and I know
1: they have to market things. I mean, they have to have labels for things, and that's how they market things. But you know, Chiclet. I mean, isn't there a little part of you that still kind of is irritated by that name, yes. Chiclet? I mean. Yes. You could call my mysteries chick mysteries. And I'm, and let me see, I'm kind of stealing that from my friend Maggie March. She writes really funny cozy mysteries. <laughs> who kind of calls hers chick-lit mysteries. But anyway, it, it's yeah, it's it's kind of a grading label, but now it's out there. And it's like, oh, I guess we have to use that label because that's how mm. the bookstores are marketing. Mm. If
0: someone else calls it that, it's a bit degrading. Yeah, it is. Right. It, it definitely is. I think I've told this story before since you mentioned the films and so on. We have to shop here and they had this... I don't know this uh films for for women. Oh. And uh, <laughs> some woman went there. She took a picture of this right. um, this thing and then she changed the films oh, according to great. her choices. Exactly, according to her choices and she exchanged them for action and sci-fi and such thing and she also took a picture and she said uh, that's what I like to watch.
1: Well there you go because yes. I mean honestly I love action. I love like hard-driving thrillers. I mean, I love all that stuff. Yeah, you know, and I love literary fiction too. I mean, I mm. love all kinds of fiction. Mm. So, so to to just say that, yeah, buttonhole or mm. mm-hmm. you know,
0: narrow down women's taste mm. to just a few things mm. is is a little frustrating mm. sometimes. Yeah. And of all your series, which one would you say is the most successful? You don't have to answer that, but what would you say sells the most? The romance the mystery the action oh
1: I'd I'd say the 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 mysteries and you know I like I said I'm still working on the marketing so I'm (laughs) I'm still working on building all that stuff up but I'd say the the mysteries are doing Mm. pretty well Mm. the storm chasing books uh have they been out a while now and I would love to return to that series Mm -hmm. and and write Mm -hmm. some more of those and I think there are some people who would like to see more of
0: those so Mm -hmm. maybe
1: maybe Mm -hmm. that'll happen Mm -hmm. but but yeah i Right now, my, like I said, my energy is going into the mysteries mm-hmm. and I, I think
0: mm-hmm. that's showing. And after this last few years, what are your hopes for the future as, in, as an independent author?
1: Uh, well, you know, I would like to be a full-time author at some point, I think. I mean, I actually love editing and I love helping other authors and kind of guiding them through the creation of, of their dreams. But at the same time, I'd love to put more energy into my own. So it's a process because mm-hmm. you have to
2: earn enough to make yeah. that happen um regarding editing did you do your own editing or did you get someone else to get a different point of view i definitely
1: had a couple other points of view my stuff's pretty clean but even as a copy editor myself i'm going to miss a couple things Mm -hmm. so i have a good friend who's an editor i worked with at the newspaper and she'll go through it and uh, another friend who's just uh, really good at Mm. seeing story she'll Mm. go through it so yeah it Mm. always helps to have Mm. uh, somebody else's perspective Mm. and um you know, I've heard other editors say this as well, but your mom is not your best editor. Huh. <laughs> don't, don't have your mom <laughs> edit your book. I don't care how good she was in English.
0: Yeah. yeah. And what about the indie community? What can you tell us about that? I mean, how helpful is it? What are the positives of that? How did they help you? Getting along as an author.
1: Oh, it's it's really great because it's it's a bunch of writers who, for the most part, are generous with advice. And um, you know, I've I've heard uh, other authors I know on your show talking about first a Romance Writers of America chapter, and then we changed into a sort of general mm-hmm. fiction writing group. These are friends, and they really help you along. Mm-hmm. They're at all different mm-hmm. stages of their career. It's a really supportive community, in short, mm-hmm. and if you're just starting out, like on Facebook, there are a lot of these communities mm-hmm. and you can just lurk and listen mm-hmm. and learn so mm-hmm. much. It mm-hmm. is really fantastic. Yeah.
0: And what would be your advice for any upcoming uh, or aspiring author, be it independent or be it for the traditional way of writing? Write
1: early and often. <laughs> write a lot. Write. You don't have to write every day, but don't give up your dream. Don't put it aside. I mean, it took me a long time before I got to that point where I was ready to publish a book. And uh maybe that's good, you know. Yeah. But but I would say that, you know, don't don't put it off. Don't put mm. off your dream. Go ahead and go for it mm. and and write write those stories you want to write.
0: Just do it then. Yeah, just yeah. do it. No matter if you get published or not, you can always like you said, you can go independent.
1: Right. Well, and, and I would also say don't do it if you if you hate it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean I, I also think because people are trying to make money which you know that's fine it's it's an honorable thing to want to make money with your writing that's yeah. that's what we should all strive yeah. for to get paid for what we write yeah. but i i think some authors kind of get on a merry-go-round where they feel mm. like they have to pump out books really fast that maybe aren't mm. really the books that they want to write anymore just because they're they're kind of feeding an appetite and yeah. you know if, if if you're fine doing that and it's just like you know it's it's just a job for you that's okay but uh you know, do what makes you happy because life's mm-hmm.
0: short. And should you keep an eye on the market insofar as you take a look at what is or what is wanted at the moment? What I mean is, isn't that what Jeffrey Deal said when we heard him touring mm-hmm. um, yeah. a um, crime fiction festival that he said he's looking what is, at the moment, what is the fashion at the moment?
2: He's trying to write for the market. Yeah, for so, the
0: market.
1: Uh, there's certainly... A component of the community who's who says yes right to market and there's some good data sources out there so you can figure out what's hot right now and, and mm. all that probably the easiest thing to do or maybe it's not easy because I have trouble mastering it is picking one genre. I love cross genre <laughs> stuff but um but you know picking one genre will make mm. it a lot easier to market whatever oh. you're doing. I would say if you're chasing the market all the time, you're always going to be behind the curve. So if, if you see a category that exists that your story will fit into, that's fantastic. Mm. That's a great first start. And then I wouldn't worry so much. Like if, if this month's fashion is about crime solving otters, like don't, <laughs> don't jump on that. Cause next month it'll be yeah. crime solving giraffes, you know, just, you just, you don't to know be what it's. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: indeed. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, and, um uh, Like I said, I'm cross genre and and it's, I'm sure it's worked against me, (laughs) but even, even my mysteries, which I call them quasi cozies because there's a little bit of cursing. There's Mm -hmm. just a hint of heat. There's no like sex on the page or anything, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, they, 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 they push the line a little bit, mm-hmm. but again, that's, that gives me pleasure. And, mm-hmm. and maybe it falls more in line with something like a Janet Ivanovich mystery or something like mm-hmm. that in terms of, you know, what well, happens.
2: I think most books don't fit exactly into one category because if you read them, it could be called this or that, and it's, it's mostly for marketing purposes and yeah. they say it's this. You're absolutely right.
1: Cause um some authors have said, you know, they wrote this whatever this beautiful literary book and then like it's marketed like women's fiction it has the pretty cottage and the beach and you know whatever it's it's all hopefully good good stories good Mm. writing and Mm. and uh yeah it's it's a tough thing the whole marketing thing is for me a tough Mm. nut to crack and and if you're writing to formula all the time i mean doesn't that get a little boring
0: it probably does yeah Yeah. boring for the author and maybe also 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 read after
1: some time maybe i mean (sighs) You know, if we if, if there's something we love to eat, for instance, like if I find a dish I love at a restaurant, yeah. I almost always order the same dish when I go back. I'm just that annoying person. <laughs> there you go. See, I mean, because you love it. You, you crave it. and You yeah. want more of it. And so if if I start a series and like I really like like what's happening in the series I want kind of more of the same. But I think a, a really good series for instance finds new ways to mm-hmm. do things mm-hmm. like me and the rest of the world. You know I'm reading Lee Child's Jack Reacher series and mm. I'm I'm like around book 14 now 13 mm-hmm. or 14. <laughs> but what fascinates me about those is even though it's basically the same idea mm-hmm. that the you know the the tough the tough loner guy who's you know intelligent <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and canny comes into town and writes a wrong it's like yeah. like a cowboy yeah. western or something it's the stories are always really different mm-hmm. he does it in an innovative way every time so mm-hmm. he keeps it constantly fresh so mm-hmm. anyway
2: mm-hmm.
1: i i think that's one of the secrets and also challenges mm. of writing a series yeah,
2: yeah. <clears throat> so imagine if you're reading it or eating the dish in between these you have different um tastes mm. and so right. you can mix it up whereas when you write it you're writing it all the time mm-hmm. and you don't mix mm-hmm. it up so it gets especially boring i guess for the writer
1: yeah it depends on how much you love what you're doing yeah. i mean jennifer lynn barnes is someone you may have heard of she's uh, studied fandom Um, and and how that works, Mm -hmm. and sort of why people love certain books, and uh, certain series, and certain movies, and all that kind of thing. And uh, I heard her speak about that, and also about writing for your id. It's a talk she gives, which is directed to writers. And the idea is that, so what if something you're writing is a cliche, if it gives you pleasure, Mm -hmm, it may mm -hmm. give the reader pleasure too. So I love like hidden compartments and libraries and ghost (laughs) stories or whatever. Like I love all these things. And so one thing I did when I put this series together, the bartenders is I thought about all the things I loved and Mm -hmm. they're in Mm -hmm. there. And mm-hmm. so I'm writing for my pleasure as mm-hmm. well as the yeah. reader's pleasure. Yeah. And I hope that that comes through. I think that enthusiasm comes
0: through. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. It reflects in your writing. I mean, it's fun to read them yeah. and to read the characters, to read their dialogue and all the things that happen to them. I mean, like I told you, the scene in the in the Uber yeah. when when, yeah. uh, when Peppa realizes, come on, I think I know this guy. Then she looks back and, ah, oh, it's the…
2: Yes, the tuba guy. Yes. That's annoying (laughs) the hell out of her. Yeah. But that that was funny. I mean, I just the gig economy. Yeah. That was
0: good. Right. The gig economy. (laughs) There's so much of that, right? (laughs) So, Lucy, is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about your future projects, about your past projects? Anything at all?
1: Oh, wow. Well, I will say if you're interested in the storm chasing part of my life, you, you could check out Chris Kreidler. So mm-hmm. that's my my real name. And there's lots of photos and videos of, mm-hmm. of tornadoes and mm-hmm. beautiful storms and lightning and all that kind of thing. And I'm going storm chasing again in May. So Ooh. I'll be posting more more stuff uh, with a fellow author, Alethea Contis. We go chasing mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. The shortcut to my storm chasing is skydiary.com and the mysteries and romances are at lucylakestone.com. And uh, as far as uh, books, Beguiled by Bourbon is next mm-hmm. on the agenda. And that mm-hmm. will be set in Kentucky on the Bourbon Trail. And we're going to learn more about Pepper and mm-hmm. her past and Neil's mm-hmm. past as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And also about drinks, I guess. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's good for us, teacup, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> look at yeah, us. I mean,
2: um, <laughs> just one question Did you ever make mm. cocktails with tea as an ingredient?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. There,
2: there are definitely many
1: cocktails with tea as an ingredient. Mm-hmm. Just look it up. There are so yeah, many good books out there. <laughs> I mean, I can't off the top of my head, I'm not gonna I can't like tell you <laughs> names of some of them, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's a popular ingredient. Oh. And it was big in um it was popular in punches, which is mm-hmm. punches were among the, first, the earliest yeah. mixed drinks. Mm-hmm. And so yeah,
0: tea was often an ingredient mm-hmm. in those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go quite to good. try more of them. Even I drink them. I'm not a tea drinker. But <laughs> tea cocktails, Tea cocktails. <laughs> bring it on. Yes. Yeah, I it's them. a really
1: nice ingredient mm-hmm. in, in cocktails, mm-hmm. I think. Tea cup? Yes.
0: So, Lucy, Chris. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thank you us. so much. This was wonderful. It was fun. Yeah. It was great. It was interesting as well. And we will definitely read your mysteries. We will read all of them.
1: Awesome. Well, Chris. Uh, you know, come to Florida and we'll make you a cocktail.
0: Oh, Oh. that's an interesting (laughs) offer. Yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe one day we will do so. Sure, that'd be great. Yep. So thank you for being on our show. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did and we'll meet again at Book Lovers Companion. A big thank you goes to Andrea and Carmen for supporting us via buymeacoffee.com. If you would also consider buying us a coffee, you can find the link in the description.